Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace, and this is a special spotlight on Canto with a very special guest. Tell everybody hi, Aspen. Hi. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the first volume of Canto. It's six issues. It's from the creative team of writer David M. Buher. Art is by Drew Zucker. Colors are by Vittorio Astone. And letters are by Darren Bennett. Uh, so if you're not familiar, it's an all-ages book, and it's an adventure tale set in a fantastical land, and uh, it's got some really sort of traditional fantasy heroic themes. Uh, so uh, let me ask you, Aspen, when you first read it, right from the first issue, what was it that you liked about it? I liked the character himself and the mission kind of that he was on and the point that he had. So, yeah, you, you mentioned liking the character himself. Is that you, you liked how brave and courageous he was, or was it the, the visual of what Kanto looks like? What was it? It was the fact that he broke all the rules, but he made a point to breaking all of them. And what about visually? Did you think he looked cool? Yeah, I think because, like, the story kind of that it has in it it makes them look like knights and if you read later in the care and later in the story it talks about like the knight himself yeah so in the in the backstory um we're told about this race that canto's a part of and they look like little tin uh, soldiers that have what look to be knights helms on them um and there's there's somewhat of of clockwork workers and they don't have much lore or history they're slaves they're put to work mining uh to keep what's called the furnaces running for the shrouded man uh, the purpose behind that we don't really know and it's sort of not important uh what's important is that their culture has been suppressed their identities have been suppressed they're not even allowed to have names uh, for each other they're not allowed to have any sort of freedom in terms of physically being free to not work these minds, but they're not even really given freedom of expression, freedom to have relationships, freedom to even have names. Um, and they are controlled by these uh, kind of animalistic looking beasts called slavers. Um, and what happens in the, the beginning of the story is this one character, this one little tin man um, has learned to care for another, even though it's been forbidden. And she, in turn, has given him a name. She's given him the name Kanto, uh, because most of them don't even have names. So once the slavers discover this, um, they punish her. They punish his, his little girlfriend, uh, and they damage her clockwork heart. So all of the members of this race have had their hearts removed, and they're told that they're being kept by the shrouded man in the, in the high tower. Um, and they've all been replaced with clocks. Um, and when your time runs out, your clock runs down, you die. So uh, once his, his companion is killed, Kanto takes it upon himself to leave to go on a quest because the only way to restore her is to restore her actual heart. So that's where the, the first issue starts with him uh, choosing to go on this quest. And it, it's quite poignant. Because again, he, they haven't been taught courage. They haven't been taught sort of any emotions. They're just, in a lot of ways, these robotic little creatures who uh, know nothing but, uh, but mining the ore. Uh, 
So it's sort of sad in a way, right, Aspen? Yeah. Do you want to add to that at all? Well, a part of it is that um, there's the eldest clockwork. His name is Elder. And no matter what happens, he always, if requested, he always tries to fix them. He does as much as he can to them. He's kind of like the fixer in a way, but they always fit. I mean, I'm assuming that they fix it behind the slavers' backs because the slavers have enough slaves to kind of continue it. But yeah. Yeah, and Canto even says, take my clock and give it to her um, and I'll, I'll be placed in the furnace. But uh, we're told that clocks cannot be switched. Only The only time you have is is your own. So this is why Canto decides to go go on the quest, which obviously uh, forbidden. So that, that's how the first issue ends. The second issue starts off and, and Canto's on his quest, um, again, trying to, to save the the. I don't want to say woman, but the, the female of his species. And he's out in the unknown and he's attacked by some creatures called the Malarexes. Uh, now, Kanto had met one of them previously and, and sort of befriended it and showed some compassion to the Malarex, which these Malarex were not used to uh, seeing before. And even when confronted with these Malarex, uh, he, he doesn't attack them. He just, he tries to escape. He, he's not one to really inflict harm. And what ends up happening is the Malarex that he had met earlier actually comes in and saves him. Um, and so right away, the lesson here being that if you're nice and you do the right thing, it pays off, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the Malarex does save him from the other Malarexes and Canto's continuing on his journey and he goes to go to sleep that night um, all alone. And who shows up at his camp while he's sleeping? The Well, it looks more like an elder Malarex. He comes to help him with his journey later on. But he's like, he's not one to harm. He only likes to protect and to sleep. And to eat. Yeah, he likes <laughs> to eat too. So yeah, uh, right away, Kanto has, has made a good, strong, fast friendship with this Malarex and not only does uh, this Malarex agree to, or, uh, you know, it's not like he can speak, but through action, it looks like he agrees to come uh, on the journey with Kanto, but he allows, he allows Kanto to ride on his back. Uh, and they travel through the mountains and uh, the countryside forests and various places uh, before they finally arrive at the lake. And the lake is where the hermit, lives and the hermit can tell them where to find the tower. So as they're uh, traveling around the edge of the lake, what do they find? They find the, I guess you could say sea monster. Yeah. Kind of like a mega octopus thing. But with only, with only one eye. Squid maybe. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and inside of the creature well before that because that's in issue three yeah I guess. Um, but they have a, a conversation and they say that they're there to see the hermit well first they say uh do your worst and the sea monster responds my worst are you assuming i'll eat you and they say wait you can speak <laughs> and the sea monster says of course i can speak 
And then they said they need to see the hermit. They're like, well, this hermit doesn't see anyone. That's what makes him a hermit. Uh, and they say, okay, well, I, I need to talk to the hermit about finding the heart for my friend who uh, is damaged. And the sea monster says, well, you're from Arcana, right? And search, you're not in search of a heart for yourself, but for someone else, that's interesting. And uh, the sea monster says very well and starts attacking them. And Kanto's like, wait, what are you doing? You said you wouldn't eat us. And the sea monster said, I, I never said that. I said, perhaps. And that's where the, the second issue ends. So the third issue picks up where that one uh, leaves off. And uh, go ahead, ask me what happens once they're eaten by the sea monster. And they like explore for a little bit and then they hear another voice, which comes from the hermit. Who's living inside the sea monster, which is interesting, is sort of the hermit's headquarters. So what does the hermit tell them? The hermit says to them, they like he quit or she questions them to see what they're doing. And it turns out that the hermit is a slaver, which is one of the controllers of himself, the slaves. Yeah, one of the people who controls Kanto's race. <clears throat> and so there's a little bit of a fight between the slaver and Kanto and the Malarex, but the slaver's pretty skilled at hand-to-hand -hand combat. And she takes care of them pretty easily and says, don't attack again. Next time I be, be less forgiving. and. Kanto doesn't realize that this is a hermit. He says, well, what have you done with the hermit? He said, oh, yes, the hermit. They've called me that for longer than I remember. But And Kanto's like, but wait, you're a slaver. And she says, yeah, and you're a slave, but neither is what we really appear to be. And so that's when we find out that the, um, the sea monster is really just this sort of steampunk type machine that the hermit lives in and uses it to keep travelers away and um, and basically allows her to be a hermit. But then she tells the story of how her race of people doesn't really want to be slaves uh, and that they're, um, they're enslaved by the Shrouded Man as well because they used to be just normal, everyday villagers who traded with nearby settlements and raised families and they were happy. And then the Shrouded Man came and uh, and enslaved them. And they were the ones that were mining and they were the ones that worked for the shrouded man. But then what happened is one day the shrouded man discovered Kanto's people who with their tin bodies were much better suited to doing the mining and thousands of little hands could harvest far more fuel than, uh, than this race of, uh, that the hermit belongs to could. So the shrouded man gave, the slavers race a choice. You could be released from your shackles, but you would have to ensure that Kanto's race was the one that mined. So they really just traded one set of shackles for another um, because if they don't keep Kanto's people working, then they have to go back to mining. And so uh, when Kanto learns this, he says, well, your people may be under the control of the shrouded man, but they still crack the whips. They still hurt the ones that I care about and take our hearts. And the slaver says, well, we don't take your hearts. The, the shrouded man does. Uh, and when Kanto asks where the hearts go or why, the slaver says, well, we, we don't know. The shrouded man doesn't, doesn't tell us that. But he does know that the shrouded man, or she rather, knows that the shrouded man lives in the Emerald Tower, 
high above the city of Dis, and it's only an hour's ride uh, away from where the uh, the slaver lives. So they can't leave because it's nighttime; it's too dangerous. So they're going to leave the following morning, and the slaver asks if Canto is going to rest for the journey ahead, or if he chooses to spend the night training. And what does Canto decide? He decides to spend the night training. Yes, which explains later on how he's a pretty good fighter when he has to fight it against um, yeah. against yeah the forces of the shrouded man. So it again it shows the courage of Canto. It shows how much he he really cares. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he was just born that way, I guess, that he, he just has this drive in him to do whatever he needs to do to, to save the people that he cares about. So next morning, the shrouded uh, or uh, the hermit allows them to leave his secret uh, robotic <laughs> sea monster and Kanto and the Malarex uh, head out and uh, with Kanto saying, you call me little one, but I have a name. My name is Kanto. And the slaver says, what? How, how do you have a name? I thought they were forbidden. You're braver than I thought. Um, and so he goes, he goes writing off. And that's the way the, uh, the third issue ends. So the fourth issue starts with Kanto and the Malarex uh, arriving at the gates of the city of Dis, who are guarded by a couple of giants who are really dumb. <laughs> and as Kanto is trying to get in, the giants are arguing amongst themselves um and kind of insulting each other and it's clear they really don't like each other and then another warrior shows up and says that she's there to do some trading uh and the giants don't want to let her in either um but what does she do to allow them to get in she like she makes she says something that makes them argue and then since they're so tall they don't see them and then they end up slipping by yeah, these, uh, these giants are so dumb and so uh, they dislike each other so much that, yeah, once the warrior provokes them to argue against each other, they don't even notice as Kanto, the Malarix, and this warrior flip in. Kanto says, how do you know they would do that? And she says, giants despise all creatures of the world, but none so much as one another. So um, they still need to figure out how to get into the Emerald Tower, although they're in the walls of the city now. And so... Uh, they head to a tavern and the, uh, the warrior goes inside and says, wait here, I won't be long. But it turns out she's inside for a very, very long time. So long that it gets dark and the Malarex falls asleep. And as Kanto's waiting, he sees some forces of the shrouded man come to him and they're whispering all kinds of terrible things about how uh, Kanto's people are already lost and the girl he's trying to save is already dead and Kanto's a failure and, and all these just horrible things about hope being lost and just trying to discourage Kanto. And uh, as Kanto's enduring this verbal barrage, the, the girl comes out and we see that she's somewhat of an elf and she has pointed ears and she says, be gone, soulless witches, return to the black pits that spawned you. And uh, we discover that uh, she has a sword and she has this sort of little dragon slash bird-like creature that is uh, her pet. And after she scares off these wraiths, Kanto asks what they were. And she says, well, they're furies, they're manifestations of the shrouded man's anger, fear, and hate. But those were just the apparitions 
and projections of those furies, the actual real real furies are on their way um, now that they know where Kanto is. But this girl, this warrior, has found a way into the tower. So um, the issue ends with those furies having found Kanto and the Malarex and the warrior and, and preparing to attack. So issue five starts with them attacking Kanto and the warrior and uh, the Malarex. Uh, and this is where Kanto shows that he, he learned quite a bit when he was fighting, uh, when he was training with uh, the hermit. And it's a, it's a close battle, but ultimately the good guys get the upper hand and the way into the tower is for Kanto to be carried by the bird slash dragon creature that his uh, Kanto's warrior friend has. Um, Kanto's worried, saying, I don't know how I can face the shrouded man on my own. And the warrior says, you've traveled this far. You're, you're brave, braver than you believe. This is the only way. This is the, the only option because only Kanto's small enough to be carried by this little bird dragon creature into the tower. Uh, and Kanto says, even though he doesn't think he can, he doesn't know how he can face the shrouded man alone, he, he must try. And so Zixia, that's the little bird dragon-like creature, carries Kanto to the tower and the Malarex and the warrior are, are worried uh, with the warrior trying to assuage the Malarex's worries by saying, have faith, we'll, we'll see him again. So Kanto is dropped off at the top of the tower and he goes in to confront the shrouded man and the shrouded man says, you know, the story you know about this, the one story that Kanto's people still have, a story about this knight who was destined to save the princess and climb to the tallest tower on the top of the tallest mountain. Uh, that story is wrong. Your quest is in vain. There's no princess in this tower at all. There's no hearts in the tower either. And Kanto's, well, you're the shrouded man. Why would you tell me the truth? But the shrouded man is actually telling the truth. And uh, he says, you know, you must have met the hermit. And she told you the same about your people, um, but whatever she told you was a lie. And Kanto says, you know, I didn't come here for riddles. If you're the shrouded man, show yourself. And when he does show himself, he shows himself to be that knight, the knight from the story, the one story that Kanto peoples uh, know. And the shrouded man says, yeah, there, there was a knight who was on a quest to save a stolen princess. And when he arrived at the tallest tower and the tallest castle on the mountaintop, the princess wasn't there. All he found was a pool of water, and in the pool, he saw his reflection. And in the reflection, he saw a bruised, dirty, battle-worn knight who failed in the quest. And Kanto, again, he, he doesn't want to hear the riddles. He just wants to know what's been done with the hearts. And uh, the Shrouded Man says, if, if you're in search of a heart, the furnaces are the only place to look. Basically, the, the places where Kanto's people go to be melted down. Um, and so the, what the Shrouded Man is saying is that the hearts are gone. And so as, as one kind of final act to kind of vanquish Kanto and ruin his courage and, and discourage him, he says, why don't you look in the pool, Kanto, and tell me what you see? And as Kanto looks in, the Shrouded Man says, you see a knight who failed in his quest. And that's how issue five ends. So issue six starts with Kanto staring into that pool um, and, and asking for answers. Well, the shrouded man continues to try to discourage him, uh, and Kanto wants to wants to answer. Well, why? Why do you take our hearts if it's only to destroy them? And the shrouded man says, "Do you know why your people changed my tale so that I did find the princess, so that the story was a hopeful one? It's because you for 
prefer hope over truth. And I myself dreamed of being a hero and, you know, adventure and battles. And I went on the quest and I wish someone had loved me just as you love someone. But when I fought my way to the very top and I climbed the tallest mountain and found that she wasn't there, I learned that hope's a bad thing, right? Everything I dreamed, everything I hoped, all it did was bring me ruin. All it did was make me feel bad because I failed. And so I have enslaved the world and I've gotten rid of hope and I've gotten rid of freedom because it's a plague and I've released you all from the shackles of your dreams. I mean, what a horrible thing to do. They're not even letting these people dream. He said, so you're not unique. You can all live without heart and without hope and without freedom. You're the fortunate ones because you haven't been disappointed in life and you just live by the time that's on your clocks. And when your clocks run down, that's it. There's no need for hope. And when I take your hearts, your hearts can no longer break. And Kanto, he just can't believe that this could be true. There's too much courage and hope in him, even though the shrouded man has tried to take it all from him. So he, he tells Kanto once again, look into the pool and tell me what you see. And when Kanto looks, he sees himself, but he also sees the, uh, the girl that he loves. And he says, you know what I see? I see. And I see that you tried to take everything from us. And he attacks the shrouded man, even though he knows he probably can't win. Uh, and he says, you know, we need hearts to love or to feel them break just because your story ended without hope. Mine won't. Um, and this, the shrouded man says, your people will learn there is no hope in the world and you will not leave this tower. Um, but what he actually does, he says that, but then he uses his powers on Kanto and knocks him out of the tower, uh, which allows him to escape, escape because Zixia comes and grabs him and flies him away. Um, and although the shrouded man could use his powers to shoot them down as they fly away, he chooses not to. And we'll have to find out what that's about in, in, later, uh, in later volumes. But he flies himself out of the city and goes back home. And his, his time is running out due to the magic that was used by uh, the shrouded man on him. His clock ticks down. But just like Aspen said earlier, the, old, the elder... Uh, clockwork, he's able to fix Kanto and he tells him that his time had run out of his clock, but there was just enough magic left, traces of the magic the Shrouded Man used on him, that he was able to harness it to give uh, more time to Kanto. And the Malarix is there, as is the warrior woman, who we find out her name is Alora. And we also find out that while Kanto was gone, his race, his people that had been enslaved, inspired by Kanto's courage, overthrew the slavers, and now they are free as well. And not only that, they've befriended the other younger Malarix. So it's somewhat of a happy ending, except for the fact that Kanto's love still perished. Uh, she's buried in the forest. She, at least she didn't get burned in the furnaces. Uh, and so the story ends, or the first volume of the story ends with Kanto's people uh, leaving on a mission to go back to the land that they were from before they were enslaved. So it's not a complete happy ending. Uh, the Shrouded Man is not defeated, and Kanto has not resurrected his love, nor has he found the hearts that he went in search of, or the heart he went in search of. But he certainly showed his bravery, and in doing that, inspired his people to freedom. But you wonder... 
because the shrouded man does not want anyone to be free or anyone to hope what the shrouded man may have planned for Kanto. Cause it seems like he kind of let him go a little easy there at the end when he could have shot him down. Right. Aspen. Mm-hmm. I think that in the later issues, it'll end up either coming back to haunt them or coming back to help them. But we'll have to find out later. Yeah. We'll have to read more and, uh, and find out. So you said there was something that you didn't, you liked almost everything about the story, but there was one thing that you didn't. So what was it that. So in it, there's like the blue text is Canto, I believe. Yeah. And then the red text is his, like the girl. And in some of the times, I think in like issue two or three, maybe she says promise and he doesn't respond. But then finally, in the last issue, she says, because they're like, he thinks that they're communicating in his heart or clock. He thinks that they're communicating, you could say. And then finally, he says promise. And like, they've been communicating and they don't know how the story of the night actually ends. But because of this journey, I believe later in the text or the issues the volume there will be more communicating and they will end up telling the final ending of the story but I didn't like the fact that sometimes he would just ghost her he would not say (laughs) he would not talk back and just have it end there like you could at least say I'll see or something but no just leaves like okay just, we're, no, we're done talking. Bye. Just ghosts her, huh? Just ghosts. Didn't, didn't like that. Uh, well, what else did you like about the story? I liked the fact that they, like, the fact that he ended up gaining friends and that he wasn't on the quest all alone. Because I think that if he were to take the quest all alone or the journey all alone, it would not have, he would not have made it. Because he needed help. He needed the help of the warrior and how do you say the Lorax? Malorex. Malorex. I can't say things the correct way, mm-hmm. but the Malorex, because he could not have his time would have ran out so much quicker. I feel like because he's walking, he's climbing the entire way up there. Probably wouldn't have been able to get into the tower, or not the tower, the city mm-hmm. of Dis. Or the yeah, or into the Emerald Tower because it was it was Alora's Zixia that flew him up there. And he could, I mean, he probably could have tried to climb up there, but he probably would not have made it. Honestly, how do you feel about the shrouded man's thinking? Like he he's actually doing a good thing by taking away hope from everyone because when he went on his quest, he was met with failure and disappointment because he thought he was entering the tower to rescue the princess and there was no princess there. Well, I feel like because of the shrouded man's behavior, it's not everybody's personal experience. It may have been yours, could have been discouraged, but you didn't have to do this. He says that he helped everybody, but really everybody needs that experience they needed to have freedom they should have had hopes and dreams they should have had their hearts broken 
because by having those experiences, it helps you. It helps you gain more hope and it helps you, you could say like, it helps you with like everyday thinking. Like this is the real world and all because of his one experience, he enslaved the whole world. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because they have the same experience when you think about it. The Shroud of Man got to the tower, the princess wasn't there, and he chose to think of that as, well, no one should ever have hope, no one should ever try. So Kanto climbs the tower, and he's looking for a heart, and he also doesn't find what he's looking for at the top of the tower. But he has the opposite reaction of the shrouded man. He thinks that means you just have to try harder. Uh, so it's an interesting perspective and an interesting contrast between the two. Because at the end of the day, you do need to have lessons learned through failure. And if if you succeeded at everything and, and life was just fantastic all the time, like how would you know the good times from the bad times? Like you, you need to understand what it feels like to have the bad times sometimes to have the lows so that you know and appreciate how good it is when you have the highs and things go right and you are happy and you are in love and what have you. Nobody likes to have a broken heart, but at least it shows you how great it is when you do meet the right person or uh, do fall in love or, or that kind of thing. So there's a lot of big concepts here that are presented by the, creative team, I think, in a, in a very easy to understand way, even if it's not always real easy for younger readers to articulate them. Um, but there's a lot of value in the series, and there's a reason why it's done as well as it has. So uh, I, think that's, I think that's it for this first volume. We'll probably be back with subsequent volumes at some point, and we're going to have a chat with David uh, Buher uh, about the series pretty soon as well. So look forward to that. Anything else as we finish up here, Aspen? I th just one more thing to add about the sar the shrouded man. the shrouded man. I thought it was Saruman, but then it's mm -hmm. not. Um, is that in like where he's talking about how he enslaved everybody? I don't know if this is like a part of just how they did it or not, but like the white dots on his face because you never see his actual face, but they get bigger and bigger so I feel like the more he talks about it the more he thinks he's like playing with Kanto's mind or like Kanto he can't get, get discouraged they end on a high note at the end of the sixth issue because there's more to come in Kanto, there's a reason why Kanto used that magic. There's a reason why the elder helped him. And that was so he could continue his journey because he never actually finished, even though he returned home. Yeah, exactly. And, that, you know, maybe that spoke to the fact that the, the creative team didn't know how successful this would be. So they wanted to give a complete story and in, in only these six issues with the hope for more. But this was a hit, a smash hit right from the beginning. So there's plenty more. Uh, Canto that we'll be talking about. So uh, as always, we really appreciate, appreciate everybody joining us. Definitely recommend Canto for any young readers that you have. 
uh, that want to uh, enjoy some some great stories, and it's a great way to get younger readers to actually read. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.